0: big idea today is we need to be aware of the enemy within, that is, within ourselves and within our church. We find in Deuteronomy that the children of Israel were completely infected. Their camp was overran and rampant with this enemy. It had a hold on them, so to speak. You see, the Israelites spent 40 years camping in the wilderness because of unbelief and because of their sin. So here they were, and here is one of the most amazing things about this story. A journey that should have lasted 11 days, it took them 40 years to do it. The 40 years of wilderness wandering come to an end in this book of Deuteronomy. The events of Deuteronomy cover only a week or two in the 11th month of the 40th year. Chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that. The 12th and the last month was spent in mourning for Moses, 34.8. And the Israelites entered the promised land the first month of the 41st year after the Exodus, Joshua four nineteen. 19. We notice that Moses' summary of Israel's 40-year journey began at Mount Sinai and not in Egypt. In Moses' mind, the nation of Israel began at the base of this mountain. It wasn't in Egypt when they were led out. For it was at Sinai that God laid the law into Moses' hand to share with the people of Israel. And with this law comes the knowledge of right and wrong and responsibility. It's a guide for living. God says, I know you guys can't handle this on your own, so I'm going to give you this. And it's the same when you and I come into the kingdom. You want to know how to live your life? Want to know how to treat your family? Want to know how to treat everybody? Here it is. Here it is. Here's your guide. And that's... So... uh, We as believers really don't have an excuse. We know the difference between right and wrong. And we know that we have a responsibility. Deuteronomy 1, 1 through 8, reads like this. This book records the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Sup, between Paran on one side, Tophel, Laban, and Hazaroth, and Dazahab on the other Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, only going by the way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Mount Sinai on a day in midwinter, Moses gave these speeches to the Israelites, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. This was after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who had ruled in Heshbon, and King of Bashan, who had ruled in Ashtaroth and Edrei. So Moses addressed the people of Israel while they were in the land of Moab east of the Jordan River. He began to explain the law as follows. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, Jordan Valley and the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev and the coastal plains. Negev is the desert. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land... The Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. Twelve spies go out, if you remember that. They come back. Only Joshua and Caleb said, man, this place is great. The fruit's great. The food's great. A land flowing with milk and honey. But the ten said, man, there's giants in the land, and we don't want to mess with them. So for 40 years, they walked in circles. Till every one of those men died off, till new males were born, and the only adult males that crossed that river Jordan into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb because they believed the Lord their God. They believed that He would do what He said He would do. And they'd become content. I know some of you guys like to camp, you love it. If you had a choice to go camping or work, what would you pick? A lot of us would would pick camping. I don't know if some of you girls do tent camping or not. It kind of brings out the wild in you a little bit. So, but nonetheless, you like campers, fifth wheels, nice ones, or maybe Holiday Inn Express is a nice place to camp. I think really, actually. But nonetheless, here you know these people were in this you know, walking around circles, 40 year camping trip. Amazing, amazing story about this. They had become content with this, and I think. That as the men died off, I am sure that they had forgot while they were there in the first place. An enemy would come on occasion. They would fight him. God had given them their victory. But they didn't have a lot of fighting in that, in that 40 years. They just was just doing their own thing, kind of. And they didn't have to work. Who loves work? Some, I hope you do. I think it's better for you. Especially if you see your job as working into God. Every morning, they'd go out and scattered on the ground was manna. Now, I, I've read a lot of the commentaries trying to get an idea. That it was kind of like a big cake or a big, like a big cornflake or something, and it was sweet. Well, they'd pick up enough manna for that day, and every once in a while, he'd send some quails for some meat. You know, you imagine you got you hunters. You imagine being out uh, in bus row bottom and like 100,000 quail come up and sit at your feet, and the head quail says, we're here, kill us and eat us. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. If you think about that, and, and kind of that's, that's kind of the way it was. But this manna, God said, you can, you can get enough for today for your three squares, but you can't keep it till tomorrow because if you hoard it, you'll wake up and it'll, it'll be rotten and full of worms. Now, on the sixth day, they had to, they had to gather enough for the Sabbath because they couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. But nonetheless, that's what God did. Another amazing thing, for 40 years, their clothes never wore out that 's a miracle in itself when we say that god doesn 't do miracles, well He does miracle after miracle after miracle, but their clothes never wore out or their sandals never wore out, and they just had to camp i don 't know what they did out there, you know, but nonetheless that's that 's what they did, and they got in a in a, in a in a routine god says you 've been here long enough it 's time for you to move on so We think about this deadly enemy. What is it that's within our church and within ourselves? Probably there's nobody in here who claims that the the first five books of the Bible are just merely fiction stories, the Pentateuch, so to speak. Or none of us in the church say that the creation account is fiction or that the church denies that Jesus actually did walk on water and did many miracles. Probably nobody in the church denies that one day Jesus is coming back and we as a church can do pretty much as we please without any interference for the government for now. So what is this deadly enemy? It, it's routine. It's being in a deadly rut. It's, it's the way of life for many of us, even in the church. When we respond and act today, as we responded and acted last week and the week before that, and we do that over and over and over, we get in this routine. And I'm, I'm talking about Eddie too, that that we come and donut, bagel, maybe juice, cup of coffee, we sit down. I hope you sing. I, I hope you feel the spirit in you as you worship. We listen to a message, and maybe sometimes we get up and, and shake hands when Steve asks us to, which is a good thing. And then we leave these doors, and that's that's pretty much it until next Sunday. But that's, that's not really what... God expects us to do, but the way it is. The only pr- things that really change in church are, is the information that Tracy puts in the bulletin, the songs, and the message. That changes each week. But the question is, is it changing you, you see? Let me ask you a question this morning. When you come to worship, I, I know we are surrounded by people that love us, but it- it's a good thing if you just see you You and God. Because that's really what this is about. It's about you and God. Can you ask yourself this question as you look yourself in the mirror? Am I in a spiritual rut in my life? Have I been going through the motions? Have I been doing the same thing over and over without any change? I want you to listen to this definition of routine and see if it fits anywhere in your life. Routine, the mental state that most of us fall into when we have performed routine humdrum activities for so long that we have lost our zest for living. Heaven forbid. But we all get to that point. I get to that point. Have you ever, you ever got to that point where you, you just say, man, Lord, I, you might as well just kill me, take me home. I'm sick of life. I'm sick of everything. I think think if we're all honest, we get to that point. We don't do anything about it. Praise God for that. But nonetheless, we still think it. Man, Lord, why don't you come and take your church out of here? I'm tired of this job. I'm tired of this, tired of that. I, I just like to see heaven. Well, I'll tell you what, friends, in worship is the closest you'll get to heaven on this side of the river. For the person who is in this rut... Life is no longer exciting and rewarding. And because it happens so slowly and over an extended period of time, most of us fall into a rut without realizing we are in one. It's like that experiment with a frog. You put a frog in boiling water and he'll jump out. But you put him in there in cold water and turn that stove as they get warm, but he'll stay there and cook. It happens fast. It doesn't happen real fast. It's slowly. Are you in a spiritual rut? I think it's, we each, each need to ask ourselves that today. Chuck Swindoll said a rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. Ellen Grasco said the only difference between a rut and a grave is their dimensions. We associate graves with graveyards. We associate that with death. Nobody expects anything to change at the cemetery. Yeah, every once in a while you see a new mound or some new flowers on the grave, but not a whole lot changes there. However, you and I are not in a graveyard or a cemetery, and what we had has And what has been should not dictate what will be for you next Sunday because every time you come in here God has a new word for you he has something to say and when we get into this rut we miss God's adventure for us and if we stay there long enough it gets tougher and tougher to get out of it those folks that are in a rut are there because they are absent of a worthy goal and vision there's no The motivation is not there to, to propel them, to move them on spiritually. And if you are stuck in a spiritual rut, you are controlled by what you've been doing over and over and over again. And, and, and it could be because you, you don't ever get in this, even if it's a verse a day. You don't pray. You don't hang out with other people of like minds. And it gets tough if you don't do that. If you expect nothing out of the Holy Spirit... You're probably not going to get much. Here's the question. Really, the key word is, is vision. And Proverbs says, where the people have no vision, they perish, King James Version. Some of the newer versions say, where, the, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. They're not going to listen to anybody. They're going to do what they want, when they want. That, that, and that's, that's a problem. So, as you have been coming here, in 19... 19- 97, uh, Diane and I moved here with this, this vision within our hearts. And God said, go, go to the people of Sullivan and, and share this vision. It's not your vision. It's my vision. And those that are in tune with me, hopefully, will pick up on that vision and pick that up and carry it on as you join together. So our vision's on the front of the bulletin each week. And my question is to you, have you bought into that vision? Are you acting upon it? And if you do, I'll guarantee you won't be in a rut. And you'll be challenged and you'll be fulfilled. Our vision, to help people seeking spiritual truth become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Our mission, to impact our community and our culture, to reproduce ourselves and to build other nations. I, I hope you realize how vital vision really is and how is important it is for us to be on the same page, actually. Stephen Jobs had a vision, and I don't know if we realize how passionate that vision was, but as you watch this clip, as he's getting this this apple off the ground, I I want you to notice how much passion is in his vision.
1: It's the future, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) I mean, Lisa's gonna do for the next 10 years what the Apple II did for the last three. I can tell you that right now. Do you know why people buy an Apple? Why do they buy an Apple, not the competitor? Because it's got bravado. It's social status. No, you know what, it's even more than that. It's social currency. We've raised the bar. And if we wanna stay there, we gotta risk everything. Great artist Dylan, Picasso, Newton, they risk failure. And if we want to be great, we gotta risk it too. On the command bar? On everything. And it starts with the little things. There's over 20 different functions tied to every single variation of the command bar, which, by the way, takes weeks to program. We're not doing anything that IBM's not already doing. And I would rather gamble on our vision than make a Me Too product. We gotta make the small things just unforgettable. Let's just start with something simple. Lisa Wright, what happens if I click on one of these tabs? You get a drop-down menu, and then there's uh, preferences and uh, page options. Okay, exactly. Now, which tab do I click on to get different font styles? How many custom typefaces? are there on Lisa Wright. Uh, that's actually something that I wanted to talk to you about, Steve. Is... I've been asking for the fonts for months. But Everything we're talking about is conceptual, and I'm sorry, but typeface, it, it isn't exactly a pressing issue. Right? now. Everything is a pressing issue. If we want to make the vision for Lisa a reality, we got to put in the hours and make something great. Yeah, but we have a hard date on this software. And I'm sorry, but adding pretty fonts is not going to change that. I mean, Bill? If you don't share our enthusiasm and care for the vision of this company.
0: No, 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 it's just, I,
1: I'm not understanding. Get out. What? Get, tr- and get out. What, what, You're done. What, are you gonna, you gonna fire me? No!
0: I already fired you! Why are you still here?
1: Steve, he was our our best programmer in the division. He's the best programmer that doesn't care about our vision. Okay, look, I know it's not my place to say it. Then shut up, Bill! So sorry to interrupt you, Mr. Jobs, but your attorney's here for your eight o'clock. All right. I want to see samples this afternoon. Somehow, we managed to design a word processor that doesn't have fonts. And it can't happen again. So fix it!
0: Did he have any vision in that or any passion in that vision? Maybe he's a little overextended, but nonetheless, you see, you see what vision can do and how it affects the workplace, even how it affects a home or a church or even a school in a sense. I read a story about him as well right in the beginning when he was getting apple off the ground and he was looking for people to come alongside him. And I don't remember who the CEO of PepsiCo was, but nonetheless, Stephen Jobs went to him. And he said to the guy, he looked him in the eye and he said, do you want to spend the rest of your life making colored sugar water or you want to change the world? The thing about Stephen Jobs' vision, even though he has died, you think that vision is still alive? Will Apple continue to turn out new product? Of course they will is because of that initial vision that he placed within their hearts. And I pray that for us as a church, that that initial vision that God placed in our hearts uh, continues to uh, bring us on. One of these days we will cross that river, but until then we have a lot of stuff that we need to do. Vision gives us a sense of purpose. Pray about how you can help people Seeking spiritual truth, become fully devolvers of Jesus Christ, F- devoted followers. That, that's on you, where you work, where you live, especially fathers, where you go to school, where you rub elbows with people. Th- that's why you're there, all of us. It, that doesn't change. It's a given. So pray about that, where, where you could, what a part you can play in that. Get involved in our mission to impact this culture. Get involved in the core event, community outreach. It, uh, Kurt puts that stuff in the bulletin all the time. It's in there this time. Find an event, find a need in this community, or go start one yourself. Revive Sullivan happens every month where we go out and bless and serve and, and love people and, and pray for them. Get involved in local missions and in the United States missions. Samaritan's Purse is crying for help for flood victims in Louisiana. Reproduce ourselves, mentor somebody. You know, Minaran is, is sharing your life. It, it is speaking into somebody's life, and all of you have people you can do that with. And it's like I said last Sunday that I am proud because Crossroads is, is sponsoring 10 church planners that are being trained in Armenia to go in and share the gospel in the Muslim co- uh, country of Iran. So we are, we are doing things. Build nations. You know, we support Haiti in a couple places, and we go down there. Join a small group or start one. Join a Bible study or start one. Join a prayer group on Wednesday morning, or Saturday morning. I'm sorry, men of action on Thursday night, and oh, men of less action on Wednesday morning. Volunteer at our Father's Arms. That's in your bulletin as well, on Fridays and Mondays and Fridays. Be a greeter. Volunteer to work hospitality, helping the nursery. You want to get out of a rut, go upstairs and wrestle them babies. That'll get you out of a rut. Especially so if they got dirty diapers. That brings you around pretty quick. Help in with Chris upstairs with children's ministers or with the youth. But the fact is, our responsibility as leaders is to offer opportunities for you to get involved. And if we've not done that, we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We have to continually pray to be creative and to open up new doors of ministry in our world and offer them to you for you to be involved. But it takes you to want to do it. It comes down to that, you know, you've got to have the want to. Moses told the children of Israel, Deuteronomy 1, 6, and 7, The Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. I've said this a lot that in the portals of heaven God has a big storyboard like this screen with your name at the top and I'm sure that the date where you accepted Christ is there beside it and he's got a map for your life laid out and he tries to steer you in that way oh boy we get stiff and we get resistant sometimes and I wonder if this explains us sometimes an 11-day journey took 40 years. I, I think it, it, it fits in. How long have you stayed at your spiritual mountain? You know, I think God's saying, he's talking to me too. It's time to move on. You just can't stay where you're at. There's no middle ground. either are or you ain't, kind of, that kind of thing within a kingdom. It, it, it's moving closer to God. And I think for some of us, sometimes we like to stay on the bottle too long or We like to have our spiritual diapers changed by somebody. We don't want to change them ourselves. How long since you had an experience of measured growth in your spiritual life? When's the last time you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit of the living God that he invaded your life and shook it to your core? And you knew it was only God. It had to be. It's the voice of God speaking to you, and it affected you. It's, It's what gets us off dead center. I've told you this a thousand times. I never wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a railroader. <laughs> and I did it for almost nine years, but God said, no, it's time for you to come to here. And you think, you play those scenarios, those scenarios out in your life that, what if, what if this, what if that? But praise God that I was obedient. I've not been real obedient in a lot of areas of my life, but to God I've, I've always tried to do that. And I pray that for you as my brothers and sisters that that's where you're at. Time to break camp and move on. I think way too many of us as followers of Christ, we, we play that grace card. I love grace. I love to wallow in it. I love to dive in it and go under even. You know how you spit water out when you're swimming? You spit grace out, and it's in your eyes and your ears, and, man, you know that, you're, that God loves you, and no matter what, he's going to love you, and it, that's the point, but I think sometimes we take advantage of that grace card, and this is what we say. Lord, I remember the day that I came to you and gave you my heart, and because of that, I'm in. I'm one of your kids. And really... The church is fortunate to have me there filling that seed every Sunday. I like throw in a little money in the basket. And I'm happy about that. But the sad truth is when we feel we don't need to grow, I, we, we, the, the old rut gets a little deeper and a little deeper. Lord, you know, I'm okay and if I die, I'll go to heaven. And I know that Gabriel blows that horn in the eastern sky and it splits, and you're standing there, Lord, and hollering for us to come on up that I'll be in that group. And I'm looking forward to it, and I thank you for that. But you know what? Until that day, I'm going to pretty do, do what Eddie wants, and, and I'm just going to sit, and I'm going to eat donuts and drink coffee and have a good time. I know this attitude because I've had it before. And it works. Nobody's going to scream at you like Stephen Jobs, unless it's Pastor Jeff a little bit, but I'm glad he does that. I've got a story to tell you about my friend Jackson down here. Jackson and uh, uh, Steve and I was out in the foyer waiting for uh, Grandpa to pick him up. And he said, yeah, I, I know you guys. I don't know Pastor Jeff. He said, can you tell me something? Why does that guy scream so much? <laughs> Steve said, you have to ask him yourself, so I can't wait to tell Jeff. I hope he's watching, but anyhow, I thought that was was funny. But things are different from this side of this stand. Pulpit, call it what you will. You see me. I see all of you. And if I've said it once, I've said it probably two or 300 times since you've been coming, that as I look out, I see faces, but in the expanse Over your head is this huge aura of potential because you're spiritual. If you are a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit has entered into your life, and with that entrance, he has brought gifts or at least one gift, and you have that. That's why we try to encourage you to go through life development to find out what that is, what you're good at. I think people should do whatever they're good at for God, regardless whether it's fixing cars, doesn't matter to me. But nonetheless, it's that wasted potential. And I I pray that if all of us just did one thing, if you just called one person this week and told them you're praying for him or that you loved him, that would be something. If we all did one thing a week. Jesus says, to us, what God said to the Israelites in the wilderness. You have stayed long enough where you're at, break camp and move on into the hill country. And when we refuse to do that, it's, it's pretty sad. And if a Christ, Christian refuses to get up and move on for the Lord, even angels can't move us. So I say to you, my brothers and sisters who I love, please pay attention to the words that you sing. Look closely at the scripture that you read. Listen closely to the message and what God is saying to you about that. And don't try to pass the buck. Have you ever said, man, Lord, my wife really needed this message, not me. Or my son or my daughter or, you know, that guy across the room or them two guys up in the balcony. They really need to hear that. Every week he has something to say to us. When you promised to follow God and you invited him into your life, he gave you a responsibility. He's gave you the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong. And he expects you to adhere to that. And here is part of the problem with ruts as we continue to move on and get deeper and deeper and deeper until finally the sides are so high that you can't reach the top and you think it's almost impossible for the Holy Spirit to reach down and drag you out of there, but he can. So as the band comes, as we close this morning, I just want you to be honest with God. That's what I ask every week. I ask you every week to be honest with the Holy Spirit because he'll talk to you if you listen to Him, And he will put things in your mind and in your heart that you need to do and I think in the past when I've noticed that I was in a rut that there was some sin in my life that I needed to confess. So, that might be you this morning. Lord, we love you and as you look at us, you you see your kids whom you admire, who you love, who you continue to pour blessings and grace upon and sometimes we just see ourselves a bunch of muffins. It's lucky to get the crumbs off the table but we're not supposed to see it that way. We're supposed to be sitting around your table, Lord, constantly. Especially on Sundays when we sit around your table to worship you. And Father, you have spoken to hearts here this morning. And as I said, as I love them, I just pray they're honest. If there's sin that needs to be confessed that we might do that, if it's time for us to pack up camp and move on in our spiritual lives, we might have the wherewithal and the courage And the gumption to be able to do that with your help. So right now, Lord, this altar is always open. If people need prayed with, they can come. People need to know you. We'll be able to show them how to do that. But just help us to be honest. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.